If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Good afternoon to my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 61 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, August 30th, 2020. Let's get things started by, as always, giving our shout out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, as well as Grunt Talks MLB. First up, as always, Team Left Jab. They feature Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Be sure to go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it, the list goes on. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And our other shout out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and, obviously, where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, follow the man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. And also don't forget, guys, that you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees every week as well and stay updated on everything having to do with both me and the Yankees by following me on all social medias. You can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. Be sure to follow me on all three of those social media platforms, guys. Well, we've had a lot happen this past week, haven't we? Not only just with the Yankees, which we'll get to shortly, of course, but obviously the civil unrest throughout the country continues on and worsens yet again after the shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin, and I think it's important to discuss at least a bit. I did the same after the killing of George Floyd months ago, too. And I know, listen, I know there are plenty of people who don't want to hear about it anymore. You came here for Yankees talk, and we'll talk plenty about them as we do every week, of course. And listen, I know it's difficult. This stuff upsets me, too. It upsets everyone. Otherwise, there wouldn't be the outrage that there is throughout the nation. Even Aaron Boone had to leave his press conference after getting emotional about the subject. And others throughout sports have cried out for change, postponing games and practices, making statements, and so on. But it deserves some time. And if you don't want to listen to this portion of the show, I understand, that's fine. You can skip ahead to our poll segment, which of course, I always do after my intro usually. So the poll segment will probably be in about, give or take, 10 minutes from now. But here's the truth. 2020 has been a disastrous year. There's no doubt about it. But it's also been the year of making us realize or remember what's truly important. Your family, all of those who truly care about you, and the things I'm going to speak with you about in just a moment. Many of us have struggled and suffered a great deal over everything that's happened. And I'll admit it, I'm one of them. It's been mentally taxing. No one can deny that. The world we're living in right now is a very scary one. But as I said, it's also been a year to make us realize what's important. And I said these things after George Floyd, and I'll say it again. And I do think I speak for those who consider themselves to be level-headed and listen to both sides before coming to an opinion. So, here are my thoughts again. First of all, racism needs to be called out and ended. 
the time has more than come for the African-Americans and all others who have experienced social hardship and injustice to be able to go out into the world and not have to fear for their life or their chances of achieving success just because of the color of their skin, their race, ethnicity, sex, gender, etc. I have said this my whole life as someone who has never judged a soul solely based on the color of their skin, their background, ethnicity, and so on. It is more than past the time where we need to learn to judge or take action on people individually based on who they are as a person. It isn't right in this life for a person to be punished or have something bad happen to them only because of the color of their skin or their background or ethnicity. That's first. Second of all, social injustice needs to end. And by that, just providing a couple of examples, I mean when a person is in handcuffs, you don't put your knee on their neck and watch them suffocate. And there really isn't a need to put seven rounds in somebody's back. I'm not an officer of the law. I don't know what it felt like to be in that situation, the situation with Jacob Blake. But just in general, and especially given what's been happening in this country for months now, I find it a little difficult to justify shooting someone seven times. But hey, maybe I'm misinformed on what may be training protocol, although I can't imagine that being protocol, but if I am misinformed, maybe I need to be informed. And I'm being serious, I'm not being sarcastic, maybe I need to have it explained to me. But I find it hard to justify seven rounds. And those who do commit acts of social injustice should be punished accordingly. And I know justice depends on the current power base, that's another harsh truth, but those who commit acts of social injustice, including officers of the law, need to be punished. What's morally wrong is morally wrong in those situations and all others like it. And third of all, and I know most people know this, but I also feel a need to reiterate this. When it comes to the police, to law enforcement, we also need to remember that there are plenty of truly good cops out there, some of which I happen to know personally. And these people also need to be remembered and commemorated for their sacrifice and hard work for the community. They leave their house every day, not knowing if they'll even return home, some of them to their families. There's an unbelievable amount of pressure there, especially in these times. As far as the bad ones, the bad cops... It is a huge task and a huge process to undertake, but they obviously need to be weeded out as best as possible because they are obviously not people who are fit to carry deadly weapons or be in a position of power. I know it's much easier said than done to do that, to weed them out individually, but how else are we going to fix these problems? We can't get rid of all police, period, whether you like it or not, because not only would you also be getting rid of those with the best of intentions in law enforcement, the good people, but without law enforcement at all, there would be chaos. But do you see a commonality in these things I just mentioned? If you don't, then I'll tell you what it is. This commonality is the ultimate factor that needs to go away, and that is generalization. Generalizing a certain group because of the actions of a few. Whether it's with racism, which rears its ugly head in some instances of social injustice like police brutality that we've seen and maybe even not seen. And of course, in the many other ways that racism could appear in general in life, of course. And generalization also occurs sometimes with people's feelings towards law enforcement too. It goes both ways. And that needs to stop. It goes back to what I said before, and I know it's easy to generalize in times of frustration and turmoil, especially with things as bad as they are to group people together over the actions of a few. But if we keep living with the mindset of generalizing different groups of people, putting everyone in a big particular category over the actions of the few, we're not going to move forward. It's as simple as that. 
Again, it goes back to what I said before, judging people based on who they are and what they do individually. We just have to learn to do that better, guys, because as I always say, in every group or race or ethnicity, etc., in every aspect of life, there are good and there are bad people. And it's up to us to decipher individually which is which. It's really tough, I know, it really is, but it needs to be done as best as possible and as soon as possible. And in turn, that could help potentially prevent acts of social injustice in the first place, because this country is in trouble. And I'm not going to lie, and I know basically everybody feels this way, but I'm afraid for our future. As a result of these negative aspects of society that need to see change, you have the country literally tearing itself apart. You do have the peaceful protests and those good-hearted people who truly want justice and change and are willing to sit down and have a level-headed discussion about those things, and I applaud those of you for that. But you also have those who see this as an opportunity to do unspeakably horrible things to innocent people, inflicting harm on regular citizens, or even their businesses just on the side of the road, who have probably already seen enough struggle and anguish thanks to the virus, harassing people, burning, looting, or rioting in certain areas throughout the country, shooting or killing your average person just driving or walking along. And that solves nothing either other than just spreading more pain and or bloodshed throughout the country. And of course, you can't ignore the elephant in the room, that tensions are obviously naturally higher with the imminent presidential election coming in just about two months now. And don't lie to yourself about the role of politics in this. Politics definitely has its role and its play in certain things going on. I'm sure we can all agree on that. And the extremists on all sides in conflict right now are dictating the fate of the whole nation. And that's a scary thought. And the media often does nothing to help matters either. So after mentioning all that I just went through, I really do hope that the necessary changes in society that I spoke of are made, that justice is served where it needs to be, and that we can learn to live as peacefully as possible with one another in a world without racism and without the rage that there is in life right now as much as possible. People are angry, and they've had enough of the problems that still exist in this country for many years now. And listen, there will always be conflict in life. That's just a part of it. We live in a very imperfect world. But hopefully, as I said earlier, we can get to a point where even in our disagreements and hardships, we can look at each other not as categories or groups, but simply as fellow human beings who form our thoughts about each other individually based on character. I think I'm pretty clear in my views and pretty sensible, rational. There are a lot of problems, some of which I obviously don't have personal experience with. But as a fellow human being of yours, these are my thoughts. And I truly feel they do well in inspiring peace because peace and tranquility is what I envision. And also what I have to imagine most people are trying to achieve in life in the first place. And like many others say, it does no good to turn a blind eye to the things going on both in the world and in this country. And I wanted to again echo the same sentiments of mine that I did months ago and give this the attention it deserves, even on a show about the Yankees like this one, Yapping Yankees. So those are my thoughts, guys. And as a fellow human being, of course, I hope you can agree, but at the very least, I hope you can at least respect them. And I felt they should be known. It hurts me greatly to see all the turmoil, the anger, the rage, the sadness, and I wish for it to go away as soon as possible. And it's going to take hard work. It won't be easy at all. But nothing worth doing is ever easy. Remember what Yoda said, if you happen to be a Star Wars geek like me. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. 
we have seen each of those stages take its course throughout history, and especially these last few months. Let's get back on the right track by unifying, caring for, and respecting one another, our fellow human beings, and making the changes wherever necessary. And to end this little speech of mine, I'll say this. And everyone who knows me knows this about me for sure, so I'm proud to say this. But I have always personally treated everyone who I've met in life, regardless of skin color, race, ethnicity, sex, gender, religion, and so on, equally upon meeting them, and have formed my opinions about them solely based on who they are as people, their character. Can you say the same about yourself, especially if you're in a position of power? Food for thought, I'd say. It's a step towards peace, justice, and equality if you're willing to take it. And of course, I'm always open to discuss these things if you want to discuss it further, guys. But with that being said, you know, the country isn't all that's in turmoil right now. Because this last week was another week mainly filled with turmoil and frustration for our Yanks as well. We'll recap all of the in-game frustration and just how bad the losing streak got when we get to recapping this past week's action in our weekly recap segment to finish the show, as well as everything that's happened in this past week's Yankees news, from Judge returning from the IL and then returning to it within just hours, updates on everyone else who's injured, how close they are to returning if they haven't already, the corresponding roster moves as a result of those, and so on. But first, as usual, we shall begin with this week's poll question, gauging your thoughts on how you feel about the Yankees now that after yesterday's game, we are officially at the halfway point of the 60-game abbreviated season, with 30 games now having been played. And as always, we'll start it off on Twitter, so this week's poll question is is, how do you feel about the team at the halfway point for the rest of the year, for the rest of the 2020 season? And of course, give me your thoughts in the comments on Twitter for your shout out here on the show. But as far as the choices for voting, your two choices to choose from are either the first choice, which says, I feel fine about them going forward here at the halfway point of the season, and the second choice is that you are concerned about them going forward for the rest of the year at the halfway point. Again, just checking in to see how you feel about the team at this point now that half the season has been played and what you think about the rest of the season as of now. And understandably so, because of the way things have been going lately, this was pretty much a landslide. 84% of you voters on Twitter said that you are concerned about the team going forward in the second half of this abbreviated season, and just 16% of you say that you feel fine about them going forward here at the halfway point of the 60-game season. So it's clear that you guys have your concerns, and you know what? I'm going to have to agree because I have my concerns too. Because first off, with the injuries, as far as the rate that they're happening, it's bad yet again for the second year in a row. And you know how I feel about the subject of injuries overall after I went on my tirade on last week's episode on episode 60. And if you missed last week's episode, episode 60, it was a good one. Be sure to go back to listen to that one. But I made my feelings clear about how incomprehensible the rate of injuries is at this point for the Yankees. I think I made it abundantly clear. But this year, it's also just the important names again that are on the IL right now. Tommy Canely, Tommy John surgery. Huge piece out in that bullpen. Done for the year. 
Aaron Judge on the IL, re-injured again, which we'll get to later. John Carlos Stanton, not back yet. Zach Britton, and although he just returned, which we'll also talk about later, DJ LeMayhew, Glaber Torres, Luis Severino having missed the entire year already, and who knows when he'll be back exactly next year with Tommy John surgery. The list goes on. These are huge names, some of the most important pieces on the Yankee team. And if they continue to happen, that of course only makes things more challenging for the Yankees. Then you look at what we also spoke about on last week's episode when it comes to the Yankees' many failures to be successful in situational hitting moments. These days, they just have a complete inability to score runs with situational hitting or add on much-needed insurance runs in games that they end up losing that they should have won. And on top of that, yeah, that's not it. The Yankees have also been experiencing their struggles out in the bullpen. Losing Zach Britton has certainly not helped things, but even with the arms that are still out there that you should be able to count on, the Adovinos, the Chapmans, although Chapman just came back, but even also the Chad Greens, they're also not getting it done. And the bullpen for the Yankees, as we know for years now, especially in tough times, that has been an aspect of the Yankee team that the Yankees have always been able to fall back on, to rely on, especially the back end of it. We're obviously all used to the Yankees' bullpen being a major strength of the team. So, yeah, just like the rest of you guys, or most of the rest of you, I also have my concerns, so I definitely understand it. And I obviously always keep the faith with the Yankees. I do believe in them a lot, as much as possible at all times. But while being faithful for the team that you root for, it's also important to point out concerns wherever they may be. And like it or not, there are concerns about this Yankees team right now. But let's hear what's on your minds down in the replies. And honestly, since the intro to the show today was a little bit on the longer side, I'm probably only going to read about 10 replies or so on Twitter today. And then afterwards, when we get to Instagram, of course, we'll probably read out a few there too. All right, first up on Twitter for today is at Ball9Tweet. And don't forget, as I teased last week, you may be hearing more about Ball 9 on Yapping Yankees in the future. But as for now, Ball 9 says, Definitely cause for concern if they keep dropping like flies. I keep seeing people saying they'll get everyone back for the playoffs, but that's not very comforting having guys come back with no rhythm and hardly having any at-bats under their belts. Well, yeah, I completely agree. As I said before, for the second year in a row, of course, injuries have to be a huge concern, especially if they keep happening at the rate that they're happening at this year, and of course, if the injury bug continues to bite the significant names on the Yankee team. And as far as getting everybody back for the playoffs, yeah, we've spoken about that for the 2020 season, and as everybody has said, and we've acknowledged here on this podcast that the playoffs is obviously what's important. The 60-game season is viewed by many, including myself to a certain degree, as just a predecessor to the time that's truly important, October. But as you say, some guys may come back around October, and quite frankly, if they've been out for a long time leading up to that, and if they just come back in what's truly the most important time of the year with little to no time to really get ready, yeah, there's a legitimate possibility that might not work out too well. For pitchers, after going a while without seeing live hitting, and for hitters, going a while without seeing live pitching, that could make it tough for when they come back in the most important time. So let's hope that they can come back when they have enough time to warm up and really contribute to the team when it matters the most in October. And of course, stay on the field going forward after that. That's the most important part. Just stay on the field. 
Up next is at Laker 477, and they say, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the injuries. I'm concerned about the bullpen. I'm concerned about the anemic offense, and I'm concerned about Boone's decision-making. But I will not panic. Good. No panicking, please. (laughs) But if you heard my opinions before, too, about how I feel about the Yankees going forward, you know I echoed a lot of the same sentiments. The injuries, the offense, the bullpen. And I'm not one to blame Boone very often for some of his in-game decision-making. I think there has to be some accountability for the players just not performing too. But yesterday was basically the only time I got on Boone for the decision to take out J-Hap, and I didn't use hindsight like a lot of the people on social media do. I was voicing that I didn't think it was a good decision at the moment it was happening, and there's proof of that right on my Twitter timeline. But yeah, that was basically the only thing I got on him about, and that was yesterday, and we'll talk about that more later on. But yes, those are concerning aspects. Up next is at TJT Whitting here, saying, if they get a winning momentum going, then I can see them in the postseason. However, there does seem to be some serious competition this year that they have to overcome. Yes, I'm talking about the Rays. However, if injuries keep plaguing this team, then their chances are slim. I mean, yeah, I have to agree with everything you said. Of course, I can see them in the postseason generally this year more than in past years, even more so because obviously this year there's the expanded playoffs and eight teams in each league are going to the playoffs this year. So there's even more hope for them going to the playoffs for that reason especially. But even that might be in a little bit of doubt with the way they've been losing lately. Who knows? But obviously there's even more of a chance for them to make it this year for that reason. Eight teams are going. And yep, you gotta beat the Rays. And of course, they have one more chance to do that with them coming to town again this week. They've got the Rays tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And although the Rays have continued to win lately, they have their fair share of injuries these days too. And that's putting it mildly, so the Yankees have got to play well with them these next three days after they're done with the Mets today. At Peace Now for Life says, Very tough question, Mike. I'll say I feel fine because I'm eternally optimistic. We're getting guys back slowly, and I'm hoping they'll be strong from here on out. I definitely hope they're strong from here on out, too, whenever they return. Obviously, at this point, as we've said time and time again, the main priority is just staying on the field. Stay healthy. But also, when you're out there, of course, you want them to contribute. And as we'll get to later, we know DJ has returned. Zach Britton's maybe about a week away. Giancarlo Stanton shouldn't be too far away, either. So yes, they do have some vital names on their way back. But as you say, hopefully they can play well upon their return, too. At Laura underscore Iceman says, this is a tough question, but for now, I'd say I'm concerned only because of the injury bug. I know we got DJ back yesterday, but we're still missing Stanton, Judge, and Torres. If we lose any more players, and I hope not, it further hurts our chances in the playoffs. Well, yeah, it absolutely does. If they keep on losing vital names like that, absolutely. And the bad part about that is, with Judge and Torres, they're going to be out for quite some time now. With Judge's re-injury, they're giving him basically double the time of his first IL stint, and Glaber Torres, as we'll talk about more later, is out for quite a bit of weeks going forward. Of those three you just mentioned, Stanton is definitely the closest to coming back, hopefully within about a week or two. But time will tell. At Arizona underscore Ranger 1 says, they need a bullpen arm, a bat, and possibly a starter. I don't know if Cashman can pull all of that off. Yeah, as I said last week when we talked about the trade deadline a little bit, and of course we know that the trade deadline is just tomorrow, but we don't know when Cashman will make a move or if he'll make a move, and that applies for every general manager in baseball. As we've said, because of the uniqueness of this season, this is a season we haven't seen before with circumstances like we've never seen before, the amount of games, the virus, the fact that there are eight teams in each league going to the playoffs, so given that fact, how many teams feel that they can make a run for October and therefore stay idle at the trade deadline? There are a lot of factors at work here, and that's what makes the trade deadline this year so unpredictable, but as far as bullpen arms, 
That's what I said last week that Cashman could definitely be targeting. They definitely had their eyes on a few starters. There have been reports that they've at least taken looks at Mike Clevenger on the Indians, who a lot of people really like. He also had the thing from a few weeks ago that you have to mention with him breaking protocol because of the circumstances with the virus. So who's willing to look past that and who's not? But regardless of his name and so many others being out there in the market, Lance Lynn's name has been thrown around. It's just really unpredictable to say what's going to happen with this year's trade deadline because of all the circumstances I just named before. It's really unpredictable. At Black Rebirth 52 says, Our pitching hasn't been good, and we're bitten yet again by the injury bug. Very concerned. Well, yeah, the injury bug has been there this year, of course. We've spoken about it at length. And as I said earlier, I have more injury updates for you when we get to the Yankees news portion of the show later. But yes, the injury bug has bitten some pretty vital names on the Yankees team. And the pitching, yeah, you're right. They've been pretty bad lately, to say the least. And you'll hear about that more later when we get to recapping this past week's action. At NYYFanForever96 says, If our offense keeps wasting opportunities and the bullpen keeps blowing saves, I'm concerned. Well, yeah, those two things have been happening so often lately in all of the losses, and even the win yesterday that we saw when the losing streak finally ended, those things were still going on yesterday, too, where the game was almost blown again late, you still had scoring trouble, and of course, throughout all of the losses throughout the losing streak, starting from the Tampa series, yeah, both of those things have been very prevalent in these Yankee games, just wasting opportunities to score, especially when it comes to adding on runs, one run is not going to cut it, sometimes even two won't cut it, but the Yankees pretty often have struggled to score more than that amount of runs every day. And yes, as I've mentioned, the bullpen, another aspect of the team that's usually a strength that the Yankees can usually count on, especially in tough times, they're coughing it up a lot of the time too. So yeah, you're 100% right. If that continues to happen basically every day the way it has been, yeah, it's cause for concern. At HF Machine Head says, I'm beyond concerned because it's the same problems every year. They can't score without a handful of homers, and this bullpen doesn't get good teams out. Well, yeah, the Yankees are just that kind of a team. They just get runs on home runs, but honestly, anyone not named Luke Voigt or even Clint Frazier right now, they're not even hitting home runs at all, really. Guys like Luke and Clint are the only ones on offense with a pulse, really. Now that DJ's back, of course, his presence definitely helps things, but without him, Luke and Clint are basically the only two guys you have any faith in in the lineup this last week or two. It shows how vital DJ is to this lineup. It's not good, so if anybody's name in the lineup is not Luke Voigt or Clint Frazier, they're not even doing that. They're not even hitting home runs. And the bullpen, as far as not getting good teams out, so far this weekend, before today's doubleheader, they haven't even gotten a lousy team like the Mets out. I mean, yes, the Mets have some pretty solid hitting names in their lineup. They still have Cano, they have Dom Smith, who's been really good this year. I've always been a fan of Jeff McNeil. And also, of course, as far as power, you have Pete Alonso to worry about. But nonetheless, despite those names, the Mets have had their trouble. More so than most teams with scoring this year, yet they don't seem to be having too much of a problem against the Yankees getting wins against them. I'm not sure what's going to happen in games one and two of today's doubleheader against them, but that's what we've seen against them so far. Yesterday, they did only score the one run, but honestly, other than that, they have not had much of a problem tying the game up, taking the lead, and honestly, just coming through when it matters. And statistically, this year, they've been one of the worst teams at doing that. So yeah, right now, the bullpen hasn't really been able to get anybody out, period. Not just the good teams. 
All right, lastly on Twitter for today, we'll finish off with at Marvin Dorfler 5, and they say Yankees are not going to win a ring this year, so who cares about this season? I mean, hey, we don't know what's going to happen going forward, if they'll turn things around, if they won't. It's 2020, after all. We have no idea what's going to happen going forward. But I know people have their feelings about not caring about this season in general because of how different it is and how strange it is. And that's fine. If you don't care as much about this season because of all the changes and the uniqueness of this season as a result of the virus, then that's your right. You don't have to care about it as much or even watch it for that matter. But as far as what's going to happen for the rest of the year, who knows what's going to happen. But if they stay on the path that they've been on this last week or two, then hey, you might just be right. They've certainly got to turn it around and fast because, of course, this is just a 60-game season that at this point is already halfway over, and as of when today is done, it'll be more than halfway over. There's already more of a sense of urgency and less margin for error this year, and with only about a month left to go, they've got to turn it around as soon as possible. But as for Twitter, that is all for today with the replies. As always, thank you so much for the poll interactions on there. Before we move on to Yankees news, and then after that weekly recap though, let's head over to Instagram to see the poll results on there and hear what the Instagram voters are thinking about the same poll question. Which again is, how do you feel about the Yankees at the halfway point of this year for the rest of the season? And you know something? Just like the people on Twitter, it was a landslide victory here on Instagram for the same choice because of all the people who voted on Instagram, 83% say that they are concerned at this point of the season for the rest of the year, and just 17% say they are feeling fine about the Yankees going forward. So just like Twitter, again, people are concerned. Let's hear from a couple of people and what they're thinking here on Instagram. First up, we have my good friend Tina, MountainGal456, here on Instagram, and she says, I'm concerned about them, but at the same time, I think once they get a win like they did today, meaning yesterday, Saturday, they have plenty of guys that can step up for this team. I still have confidence in them, so I voted I feel fine going forward. Alright, I never have a problem with confidence. And yeah, they do have a lot of those guys to step up, but so far, going into the doubleheader here on Sunday... Again, as I said before, not many people have stepped up if their names haven't been Luke Voigt or Clint Frazier. And I'm not saying people will continue not to step up, but so far, that's been the way it's been heading into today's doubleheader. Up next, we have my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and she replied that this is her concerned face and replied with an emoji that has a concerned look on its face. (laughs) So I guess that means, Vic, that you are concerned. All right, up next we have Richard Chin on Instagram, and he says, Bullpen and offense need to get their act together, so I'm concerned. Yep, as we've been saying, they definitely do. And of course, as we always do with the poll segments every week, let's finish up with my mom here on Instagram, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom says, How can we not be concerned when whatever players we have left that aren't injured aren't playing well except for LeMahieu, who just came back, Frazier, and Voigt? Then to add insult to injury, we have Boone making insane decisions to remove a pitcher that's doing a great job for the stupidest of reasons, allowing us to potentially lose games. I'm praying against all odds that these boys wake up and stop making us feel like Mets fans. (laughs) I would say we have to go through quite a bit more years of suffering to feel truly like Mets fans. So yeah, I don't really know about that, but wow, like Mets fans, wow. But yeah, hey, my mom's one of those people, amongst with all of the others who follow me on Twitter that saw it, that knows that I was not happy with Boone's decision to take out Jay Happ in yesterday's game, and it ended up being correct, and again, I did not use hindsight for that. I said I didn't like the decision as it was happening, and given what happened after that, even though the Yankees ultimately won the game, which is really all that matters at the end of the day, but right after Happ was taken out, the bullpen did prove me correct again. And yes, of course, a lot of that blame goes to the bullpen for blowing yet another lead, and yes, the offense needs to score 
score more than one run, and yes, obviously, they won the game, and that's what's important. But when it comes to that decision, strictly, in that moment, because of what ended up happening right after that, it was proven to not be the right decision. That's just the truth. What can I say? But yeah, those of you who know me know that I really don't get on Boone too much all the time. I really, really don't. I think blaming him a lot of the time just isn't right. There's plenty of stuff that isn't his fault. But times like yesterday, I don't think it's the wrong thing to get on him a little bit. Absolutely, though. You've said what many others have said about injuries. Of course, they don't help things whatsoever. And the team's got to wake up. They've got to show a little bit that they care. They've looked very, very flat for about a week and a half or two now. They only just broke their losing streak yesterday, and they haven't looked the same at all since the Tampa Bay series at Yankee Stadium. But hey, hopefully they can turn that around later in today's doubleheader, both in Game 1 and Game 2. And again, as far as your Met fan comment... I think a lot more bad things have to happen to the Yankees. A lot more bad things. And by bad things, I mean really, truly embarrassing things that only happen to the Mets. A lot more embarrassing things and a lot more years of embarrassing things like that of the Mets would have to go on to feel even any sort of way that Met fans feel on a regular basis. But in any event, I want to thank you, Mom, for your reply, and I want to thank each and every one of you for your replies this week as well. You know, I greatly appreciate all of your interactions, guys, on the poll segment each and every week. You know that. And if I didn't get to you this week, there were plenty of you who I didn't get to as well. Then, as always, just be sure, you know, to comment every week on the poll, and I will for sure be able to get to you in another week, I promise. But for now, let's move on to Yankees news and give an update on all the injuries that the Yankees are dealing with right now, how long until certain guys come back, who's already back, and what roster moves have they made along the way as a result of all of it. Of course, we know this has been a bizarre week as far as the games are concerned. On Sunday, that was supposed to be the third game of the series against the Mets from the series that was supposed to take place last weekend, but as we know, a staff member and a player of the Mets came down with COVID last weekend, so the Yankees and Mets series last weekend was postponed, and as I predicted, They're playing doubleheaders this weekend to make up for those games, and then they also have a single game this coming Thursday to make up the final game against the Mets, the final of the total of six against them. But again, since that series last weekend was postponed, you didn't have the game on Sunday, so there was no game on Sunday. Monday was a scheduled off day, and they chose not to make up any of the games that had been postponed on that day, so they were still off on Monday. Then on Tuesday, the rain came in as if you needed anything else to postpone another game. Mother Nature comes in and says, hey, I'll take over. So no game on Tuesday, which was supposed to be the first of two against the Braves in Atlanta, so they ended up playing a doubleheader on Wednesday. Then they had an off day on Thursday, and then this weekend, the first first of two doubleheaders took place on Friday. There was just one game yesterday afternoon, and then now today, as we know, there is the second of two doubleheaders against the Mets. So it's been a wild week, and throughout that wild week of games, there was also a wild week of Yankees news. More injury updates came out, more injuries happened too, unfortunately, and as a result of all of it, a lot of roster moves were made. So let's jump back to Tuesday for the first piece of news, and that is that the Yankees officially placed Luis Avilan out in the bullpen on the 10-day IL retroactive to August 22nd with the left shoulder inflammation that we spoke of, and they in turn recalled Miguel Andujar and Brooks Kriske from the the alternate site, and that was also the day where Aaron Judge was reinstated from the 10-day IL from his mild calf strain, and of course, as we know, that would not last very long, but that was the day when he was officially reinstated. Then Wednesday, the day of the doubleheader would come around against Atlanta, and before the doubleheader, the Yankees announced that they would be appointing Albert Abreu, right-handed pitcher in their minor league system, as their 29th man on the major league roster, and there was also a trade announced by the Yankees that they acquired 
acquired catcher Rob Brantley from the San Francisco Giants in exchange for cash considerations, a small move by Cashman, and Brantley was added to the 60-player pool, the 60-man roster, and assigned to the alternate site. So we'll see what role he has with the Yankees going forward, if any. But as for now, obviously that just seems to be a very small move for depth. And as of Wednesday, remember when I just said before that Aaron Judge's reinstating off of the IL would not last for long? Well, yeah, it only took a matter of hours into Wednesday. Because on Wednesday, it was announced that Aaron Judge's calf tightened up again when he was running the bases. And he was removed from Game 2 of the doubleheader in Atlanta, which was his first game back since returning from the calf strain injury. And on Thursday, he did go for an MRI, and Boone did say that it was, in fact, a recurrence of the same injury and that Judge could be headed to the IL, and he did. And this time, the Yanks said that he would need double the time on the IL than the first time, when Judge said that he felt he didn't even need to go on it at that time. Also, when after just a couple of days, he said he felt 100% already, and he still got nearly two weeks rest from an injury that was seemingly no big deal at all. An injury that was apparently very mild, and all that it took was about five innings to have that go south. So... I just don't know what to say anymore. I already blew a gasket about the injuries again last week, if you remember. As I said before, if you missed last week's episode, episode 60, obviously be sure to go back and listen to it. But one of the things I said last week, and I'll repeat it again, is that it's just all so baffling incomprehensible. I gave a ton of different ideas and possibilities as to why this could be happening yet again to this team this year. The shortened season, which doesn't explain last year's debacle. The medical staff, which they overhauled this past offseason. Not stretching right, not working out properly. Could it be this much bad luck? Or that some guy's body simply just can't play too long without getting hurt? Or is it something else entirely? And as I said, maybe it could be a little bit of all of those things. Maybe some, maybe one, maybe none of them. Who the heck knows? But it is absolutely baffling. Even to the Yankees at this point, I think it's safe to say. So, long story long, I think it's safe to say that we won't be seeing Judge in a game again for at least... At least another three weeks, give or take. We'll just have to see. I just can't imagine how frustrated Judge must be, but this is unreal. Just unreal. It's obvious at this point their top priority is to just have him and everybody else on the IL slated to not come back until around the playoffs. Just have them ready for October. It's obvious that that is just the top priority, which is understandable. In this shortened season, and I've said this so many times, you're probably like, Mike, shut up already. But again, it is worth repeating that in this shortened season, the postseason is what really matters. So that's the deal with Judge. He'll have all the time in the world to heal, and it's going to be a while until we see him again. That much is obvious. However, Cashman also gave injury updates for some other players on a Zoom call with a few Yankee fans from Twitter. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But Cashman did say that DJ LeMahieu could return as early as this weekend against the Mets. And as you'll hear in just a bit, this would turn out to be true. He did some hitting on the field at Yankee Stadium, and if you remember last Sunday, when I spoke about the timeline that Boone had given a few days prior, I said he was about a week or two away from them, so that timeline seemed to line up. And when it comes to hitting on the field at Yankee Stadium, so did Giancarlo Stanton. And while Cashman went on to say that Stanton is still at least a week away, which hopefully by now only means a few more days, since again, Cashman said this back on Thursday. 
but he said that Stanton has clearly made a good deal of progress, so let's hope it continues to go smoothly and both DJ and Stanton will be ready for what's left of this brief season and not get immediately re-injured when they return. But until he returned yesterday, DJ continued to get his at-bats in Scranton, and obviously Giancarlo Stanton will also keep getting his work in as well. As far as other injury updates, Zach Britton, who injured his hamstring, had been doing sprints at Yankee Stadium already, so he doesn't seem too far off either. He seems to be moving very well, so that's good news as far as Britton is concerned. He also threw a bullpen yesterday and reported no problems, and continues to work hard doing fielding drills like PFPs as well. And we've known from the start that this really wasn't going to be a long IL stint for Britain, so hopefully it continues to not be too long and he comes back soon, maybe in about a week. Because as we've seen lately, the bullpen could definitely use the help. Also, the Yankees' backup catcher, Kyle Higashioka, shouldn't be too much longer either. He could be back in a matter of days, in fact, which in turn will probably result in Eric Kratz, the 40-year-old veteran and current Yankees' backup catcher with Higashioka being out, being sent back to the alternate site. And Kratz has been fun to watch at times while he's been here. And I'm not going to lie to you, he's been a really likable guy. And with how awful Gary Sanchez has been, you even have some people saying that they want Kratz playing over him. And of course, I hope Gary turns it around. But as far as Kratz, unfortunately, he'll probably be headed back to the alternate site when Higashioka returns. When it comes to James Paxton, well, it seems we'll probably still be waiting a while for his return. If you remember last week, he said he still expects to be back before the playoffs to maybe make a couple of starts or so. And now Cashman said that they still think that possible and expect to have him back before the playoffs, but they still have to just watch his progress. So there's no definite or specific timetable, but it seems like all parties believe that he can return before the playoffs, which as we know is only about a month away as the first day of September is only two days from now. It's crazy, isn't it? So there will definitely be more in-depth updates on packs down the road, but for now, everyone's just hoping he can return prior to the playoffs. And lastly, for Glaber Torres, he's officially out for about three to six weeks or so. And with the little time that's left, that's obviously not good. All after just running down to first base. Obviously, if you remember last week's episode, he strained his quad and his hamstring. And as you can hear now, he's going to be sidelined on the IL for quite some time. And despite him not having done well up until his injury throughout this shortened season, he's still not someone you want to lose, of course. Obviously not for this long either. And it really stinks because if this takes even another five weeks or so, you're talking about him not getting back until sometime in the playoffs after not playing for over a month. So... All in all, Glaber's situation is not looking good at all. Out of all these injuries I just ran by you and reminded you and updated you on, he could very well be the last one to come back, either him or Paxton. We'll see. But again, anything can happen over the course of the next few weeks. It is 2020 after all, so we'll have to see. So after Judge's re-injury, the Yankees made some more roster moves come Friday. They signed former Pirates infielder Jordy Mercer to a major league deal and selected him to the active roster, and also added young outfielder Estevan Floreal as their 29th man. So Floreal, who we've been hearing about for years, got the call-up, and Yankee fans again are very familiar with his name after seeing his outfield and offensive ability in spring training, and just hearing about him in general throughout his development in the minors, so it's nice that he got a little major league action. But for now, unfortunately for Floreal, after Game 2 of the doubleheader against the Mets on Friday, the Yankees returned him to the alternate site, but he did get his first major league hit in the first game of the doubleheader on Friday, and who knows? 
Maybe we'll see him again at some point this year, but congratulations nonetheless to him for getting his first major league hit. And the Yankees also made another decision regarding one of their bullpen arms, though, on Thursday, who went down with an injury a week and a half ago, as we mentioned just before. We spoke about him getting injured on last week's episode, too. And that bullpen arm is Luis Avilan, who went down with a shoulder injury, as we spoke about, shoulder inflammation, and the Yankees announced that they have released him. So, as of Friday, you'll no longer be seeing Luis Avilan in a Yankee uniform, even when he is to recover from his shoulder injury. So, Avilan's days with the New York Yankees are over. And also on Friday, (laughs) it was announced that Gio Rochella had a bone spur in his elbow and that he was day-to-day. I mean, at least it's day-to-day. And Aaron Boone said that he could be in today's doubleheader here on Sunday at some point. So, that's good, but just another injury. All we can do is just hope and pray that it does not get worse than a day-to-day because Gio Urshela is just another guy who's just too important to this team. So let's see what game he's in today, if not both. As of right now, the starting lineup has been released for neither game, but maybe he'll be in both starting lineups. Maybe he'll pinch hit in one of the games. As of now, I don't know. But by the time you're listening to this episode, it'll probably be after game two is already over. But again, I'm recording this hours before game one even starts. So you guys again are in the future. So you know better than me listening later tonight. And you'll know whether or not Gio Rochella plays today and in which games, if not both. But then Saturday comes around and what lovely news was this to wake up to? None other than the news that DJ LeMayhew was returning from the injured list. In turn, Miguel Andujar was again option to the alternate site, as everyone assumed, but he just hasn't been getting it done in his time up here this year. Although it's been sporadic his time up here, but he'll be at the alternate site if and when the Yanks need him again. If, and I have to say this because who knows if it'll happen, but if they don't end up maybe trading him before the trade deadline tomorrow. So we'll have to see what the Yankees do there. He could end up being a trading piece. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. And then late on Saturday, after announcing that Michael King and Davey Garcia would be starting games one and two, respectively, of the doubleheader taking place today, just before the Yankees officially called up Davey Garcia and appointed him as their new 29th man on the roster so that he can start game two of today's doubleheader later on in the day. And this is going to be a very special day for David Garcia because this will be his major league debut. As we know, he's only 21 years young, two years younger than me even. That's just crazy. And we saw firsthand in summer camp that he does have more development ahead of him, and that's fine. He's still very young. But the Yankees believe in this kid a lot. They have for years. So hopefully he can have himself a very nice debut tonight. Of course, lots of people would rather see Clark Schmidt, and I'd love to see him too, I won't lie. But the Yanks have said it's easier to call on guys like Davey Garcia over Schmidt since Davey's on the 40-man roster and Schmidt is not. And that could be changed as far as Schmidt's concerned, but it hasn't been yet. So no one's really sure when or if we'll be seeing Clark at all this year, honestly. But again, let's hope Garcia has himself a solid Major League debut tonight. And that, my friends, as far as this past week is concerned, is all for Yankees news. But before we end today, let us recap this past week's actions. This past week's Yankee games, we got another five games to recap. And all except for yesterday when the losing streak finally ended, the losing streak that reached as far as seven, which we have not seen in three years. All except for yesterday, 
was still very frustrating. But again, as I said earlier, this past week's games were very weirdly scheduled because again, the last game of what was supposed to be a three-game set against the Mets last weekend, if you remember me talking about on last week's show, it was canceled along with the two prior to that on Friday and Saturday of last weekend because of the one Mets player and staff member coming down with the virus. Monday was a scheduled off day, and they did not choose to make up any of the games that they need to make up on that day, so Monday they were off. Tuesday, as if you needed anything else to mess up your schedule, the rain came in and rained out the Yankees and the Braves in Atlanta, that was supposed to be the first game, and forced them to play a doubleheader on Wednesday. So as far as recapping this past week's action, we begin on Wednesday with the doubleheader in Atlanta, Yankees and Braves. And the first game on Wednesday afternoon would see Garrett Cole starting for the Yankees in his first start that I would say he really struggled with. And we have seen him at times throughout this season, this shortened year. We have at times seen him struggle giving up the home run ball. It is how he's given up most of his runs. And that would unfortunately again be a struggle of his in game one on Wednesday, which would ultimately be really the only game where he really had a lot of trouble in. He didn't have that easy of a time that one day at the Trop 2 when he had the start when his pitch count was driven way up by the Rays. He didn't get through five innings that day, but at least this time in game one of this doubleheader, he did, but he still did experience trouble. In five innings, gave up five runs, all on home runs. He still struck out nine people, though. That's another thing he has in common from that day at the Trop. He got a lot of strikeouts still in both of those starts. It's just that he gave up more runs this past Wednesday. So even in giving up the long ball, he still racks up a lot of strikeouts. And as far as scoring, this would be one of a few games where the Yankees would not do much of it. And also keep in mind, because of the unique 2020 season, don't forget all of these doubleheaders are seven inning games. Chapman forgot about that on Friday night, but hopefully you don't forget that. But in the bottom of the first inning, Garrett Cole would give up his first home run of the day right away to a newly returning Ronald Acuna, who had just come off the IL that day. And in his first at-bat back against Garrett Cole, no less, goes deep for a solo shot to give the Braves a 1-0 lead right away. Then in the bottom of the third, Garrett Cole would give up his second of three home runs to Dansby Swanson, a two-run shot to put the Braves up 3-0, and then Marcelo Zuna would hit a ball to the moon right after that to make it 4-0 on a solo shot. Then the Yankees would get their one run of the day on a solo shot by Luke Voigt, still the only one up to that day with a pulse. And Clint Frazier had one too, but Luke Voigt, really the main one, just continuing to go deep over and over again. Again, he would be the only Yankee run in the top of the sixth with that solo shot. And in the bottom of the sixth, Nick Markakis would add on one more for the Braves by hitting an RBI double to make it 5-1. to one, And that's the score the Braves would win by. So the Yankees would lose the first of two in the Wednesday doubleheader. And that would also be the first losing decision for Garrett Cole since last year. I believe it was the first losing decision in about 28 decisions, if I'm not mistaken. So really, a heck of a run for Garrett Cole. As far as Game 2, as I said before, with the Yankees not doing much scoring lately, well, they would score the exact same amount of runs in Game 2 that they did in Game 1. Only one. Which is really unfortunate because you had Masahiro Tanaka go five innings, and although he finished the start with 66 pitches, Aaron Boone was criticized a bit for taking him out after just 66 pitches, but after the game, it was revealed that Tanaka actually went to him and said, yeah, I'm running a little low on energy here, so I think I'm done after five innings with 66 pitches. Aaron Boone went to the bullpen. Chad Green, to be specific, who's usually very reliable, but as I said earlier, even the bullpen has not been coming through lately, and this was one of those examples. 
because after the one run that came home for the Yankees, which came on a sacrifice fly by Tyler Wade in the top of the fifth, Chad Green entered in the bottom of the sixth and gave up a two-run shot to Freddie Freeman, which would put the Braves ahead late in the game by a score of 2-1 to one in what was just a seven-inning ball game, of course, because it is a doubleheader, and the Yankees would go scoreless in the top of the seventh, and they'd lose 2-1 to one in another game that really looked like they had in the bag, especially with a guy like Chad Green in, but not on Wednesday night. They would lose 2-1 to one and get swept in the doubleheader. And the losing streak from there extended to five. And of course, that was the losing streak that began when they got swept at home by the Rays in that three-game series in the middle of the week about a week and a half ago. They had a scheduled off day on Thursday, and then Friday was the first of two doubleheaders against the Mets to make up for some of the games that were supposed to take place last weekend. And because of that, each of the doubleheaders would have one game scheduled for the Yankees to be the home team and the other scheduled for the Mets to be the home team, even though all of the games are being played at Yankee Stadium this weekend. This is exactly what we saw in the doubleheaders with Philadelphia when the Yankees faced the Phillies weeks ago, and we're seeing it again, because they must not have too much of a problem doing this since there are no fans this year. Home field advantage really is not that much of a thing anymore, except for a difference in stadiums, obviously. So it's weird to see whenever you have a team that's in their home stadium, but, you know, they're batting first because they're down as the road team. It is pretty weird. But also this weekend, they would be wearing the number 42 basically for the entire weekend to honor Jackie Robinson, which of course they usually celebrate Jackie Robinson Day in April, but in April there was no baseball this year thanks to COVID-19. We know that. So all teams around baseball have taken this weekend to honor the memory of the legendary Jackie Robinson. And actually, in the first game on Friday, the Yankees would put up four runs early and it'd be looking really good. But again, late in the game, it would be blown yet again in the sixth inning when the Yankees gave up five runs. We'll go through it. But as I said before, the Yankees did jump out to a 4-0 lead early and that started right away in the bottom of the first inning when Clint Frazier hit an RBI double to drive in Luke Voigt. The two guys, again, up to this point, really the only two guys with a pulse in that lineup. That would give them a 1-0 lead right away. Then Gary Sanchez would walk and on the wild pitch, Clint Frazier would come home to score to make it 2-0 right away in the bottom of the first. And then in the bottom of the second, Clint Frazier, again, responsible for three of these four runs in this game, hit a two-run shot driving home Luke, again, who was on base, shocker, to make it 4-0 Yankees. And from this point on, Montgomery, who was on the mound, would pitch good. He would have a good day. Five innings, just two earned runs, striking out six. He looked solid. It would be 4-1 headed into the sixth, which again would be the inning that it would all collapse for the Yankees. And the man behind the collapse for the Yankees on the mound for his second outing in a row in the most unusual of fashion for him was Chad Green. He would give up a game-tying three-run homer to Pete Alonzo that would tie the game at four. And then after that, he would give up a solo shot to Dominic Smith, who killed the Yankees this series so far. That gave the Mets a 5-4 to four lead. And then Jake Marisnik after that would hit a solo shot of his own to make it 6-4 Mets. And in a very, very painful way, in the first of what would be five games in three days, the Yankees would lose 6-4 to four in a game that it really looked like they had come the sixth inning. Very similarly to Game 2, Two against Atlanta. Looked like they had it late, and then the bullpen blew it. And exactly the same way, too, with Chad Green on the mound. So you could definitely say it was like deja vu for the Yankees. So they would come out in Game 2 and try again to beat the Mets. And unfortunately, they would lose again again in a very painful way because the back end of the bullpen again could not hold on to a lead late in the game. 
And that time, it was Aroldis Chapman in what was just his second outing since returning from the IL, trying to get the save. But as far as what happened during the game, the Yankees would use the opener. Jonathan Lewisica would start the game. He would go three innings, only allowing a run and striking out three. He did himself a fine job. Adam Adovino pitched an inning. He did well. Nick Nelson pitched an inning. He allowed just one run. Sessa pitched a scoreless inning. And then Chapman in the bottom of the seventh when the Yankees were just about to win. They were only up by a run by a score of 3-2, to two, and that would be when Chapman would give it up. As far as the scoring front, Dominic Smith started things off for the Mets right away off Jonathan Lewisica. It would be the only run that Lewisica gave up in the bottom of the first when Dominic Smith hit an RBI single again, just killing the Yankees. In the top of the third, the Yankees would tie it up and then take the lead. They would tie it up at one on an RBI single by Eric Kratz. Then Aaron Hicks put the Yankees ahead with an RBI single, and then Gary Sanchez walked to drive in another run to make it 3-1, and then Brandon Nimmo, this was the one run off Nick Nelson in the bottom of the fifth, hit an RBI double to make at 3-2, and then in the bottom of the seventh, the big blow to Aroldis Chapman just when the Yankees were about to win. Ahmed Rosario, walk-off, two-run shot off Chapman, who did not even realize it was the end of the game because of the new seven-inning doubleheader rule, and that in the most painful and embarrassing of fashion yet again for another night would hand the Yankees their seventh loss in a row. And in case you were wondering, that was the first time they lost seven games in a row since June 2017, swept for the second consecutive seven-inning doubleheader. And a little fun fact for those of you who may realize this, because you may be sitting there and realize, wow, in just a 60-game season, a seven-game losing streak is pretty devastating. Well, if you were to equate it to a 162 regular season marathon like we know of, it would have equated to about 19 straight losses, in case you were wondering. As I've said, in a shortened 60-game season, there is inevitably more of a sense of urgency and far less margin for error, as we've said over and over again, and seven-game losing streaks are not ideal this year, to say the least. I know you still have eight teams in each league going to the playoffs, but it's still not ideal regardless. And all throughout these painful losses, too, when they're scoring these little amount of runs, and again, you may be noticing that throughout all of them, Luke Voigt and Clint Frazier, for the most part, were really the only ones with a pulse in the lineup. There were tons of scoring opportunities just being wasted, opportunities to add on insurance runs to ensure a victory, just a lot of wasted scoring chances overall. It would even be in a jam like bases loaded one out, the Yankees wouldn't score. They'd hit like a leadoff double and they wouldn't score. Just any moment in situational hitting almost any moment you felt like it was sure that they were not going to score. And of course, as we've been saying, it certainly doesn't help things when you have the back end of your bullpen failing you too. And I give Chapman a little bit of a break because again, it was only his second time since returning from the IL and he has not pitched often thanks to the postponements, whether it be from COVID or the rain. So he hasn't had too many chances, but it still stings nonetheless. So the Yanks would head into Saturday, yesterday, with their seven-game losing streak and a whole lot of pressure on them. And with Jay Happ on the mound, which had people automatically much less confident, of course, typically when you're looking for a win by the Yankees, the man you want on the mound is usually not Jay Happ. But hey, I'll be the first to admit it, he surprised the heck out of everybody. Seven and a third innings pitched, only allowed three hits, 
five strikeouts, no runs. He pitched one of the better games we've seen him pitch as a Yankee. So it would seem that when the Yankees are talking about skipping his rotation spot a time or two earlier in the week and the week prior to that, it would seem that that did in fact awaken something inside of J-Hap and actually give us a productive and an angry J-Hap, resulting in two solid starts in a row. The first being in his prior start against Boston, and now this start against the Mets. Granted, there are two teams that really are not that good, but he still could have gone out there and bombed, and he didn't. He pitched a fantastic game, and he deserves credit for that. And if skipping his rotation spot is what it was going to take to make Jay Happ a little angry and awaken the productive side in him, then hey, I'll take it. As far as scoring, little to nothing happened yet again in this game with the Yankees only winning 2-1 on a solo shot by Luke Voigt in the bottom of the first. Again, Luke Voigt just staying hot. Then Wilson Ramos would tie the game in the top of the eighth with a solo shot for the Mets. And that home run came after a questionable call about Aaron Boone that I mentioned earlier in the podcast and we'll go a little bit more in depth on in just a second. But then in the bottom of the ninth, and listen, the Yankees are in a slump, so any way you could get a win, I take it. I don't really care. But it was pretty funny because in the bottom of the ninth with Dellen Batantis on the mound for the Mets not the Yankees, yes, for the Mets. He would throw a wild pitch back to the netting behind home plate with Eric Kratz at the plate, and the winning run would come home to score for the Yankees, and they would win 2-1. to one. So it was on a wild pitch, but hey, a win is a win. But that solo shot by Ramos came off of Adam Adovino, another arm that blew it at the back end of the bullpen, but again, of course, what matters is that the Yankees won. We know that, and that's the most important thing. But it really was irritating to see because... The only reason Adam Adovino was in that situation to begin with was because with one out in the eighth inning with Jay Happen there absolutely rolling with a healthy pitch count and no sign of slowing down, Aaron Boone took Jay Happ out for Adam Adovino. And then literally the first hitter that he faced was Wilson Ramos, and he gave up the solo shot off the foul pole in left field, and credit to Ramos for keeping that one fair. But it was irritating for him to take out Jay Happ and have his victory that he deserved go down the tubes on a solo shot. When I was saying, and again, you can't tell me I used hindsight or I Monday morning quarterbacked it because on Twitter, at the very moment that Aaron Boone took Jay Happ out when he was rolling, I was on Twitter saying that's not the right move. Leave him in. He's rolling. And I just don't believe that when a pitcher is rolling the way that Jay Happ is, that you should take that momentum away and remove him from the game for a bullpen that hasn't been very reliable lately. And I think this is a reasonable criticism, especially coming from someone like myself who doesn't criticize Aaron Boone that often. And even though they did win the game, that decision itself did end up being the wrong one, whether people like it or not. And then one person asked me, well, what would you have said if you left Jay Happ in and Jay Happ were the one to give up that solo shot? And hey, I'm an honest guy. Here's what I truthfully would have said. I would have said, you know what? That was just a mistake from Happ in what was otherwise an incredible start. And that's the truth because that's what it would have been. I would have respected them for sticking with him with the way he was rolling because that's not very new school to do that really. And if he would have given up the solo shot, I would have genuinely sat there and been like, you know what? That's really, really disappointing. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I wouldn't have been upset in general. Of course I would have been upset. But to me, it would have been just a mistake in what was otherwise a phenomenal starting performance. But hey, as I said, the Yankees won the game ultimately. That's what's truly important. Even if it was on a wild pitch, a win is a win. But I did think that was worth discussing a little bit. And yes, another part of it too, the offense also deserves plenty of blame for there only being one run on the board at that point. Because again, that was another game of tons of scoring chances being blown. Which again, as I've mentioned, throughout this losing streak has also been another major problem. 
So that was that. After the game yesterday afternoon, when the Yankees won 2-1 to against the Mets, they snapped the seven-game losing streak, and they head into today's game. Michael King will be starting game one in just a couple of hours from the time I'm recording this show right now. And then after that, in game two, Davey Garcia will be starting that game. I hope he has a phenomenal Major League debut. And today is a big day for the Yankees to get back on track. Turn this thing around by scoring more runs, get some good starts out of the kids today, and have the bullpen be as locked down as possible. Because for the next three days, from Monday through Wednesday, you've got the Tampa Bay Rays coming back to the Bronx, and the last time the Yanks faced them here, they have not been right since. That first game is tomorrow night at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. Garrett Cole will be on the mound against Tyler Glass now. Then on Tuesday at 7.05 p.m. Eastern as well, you have the Yankees and Rays again in the Bronx with Tanaka on the mound for the Yankees. And then finally on Wednesday with Jordan Montgomery on the mound, another 7.05 p.m. game in Yankee Stadium, Yankees and Rays for the final game of this series. And also, should I mention, the final time the Yankees see them head-to-head this season. So take this opportunity in this head-to-head matchup these next three days. Hopefully you sweep the doubleheader tonight and take that momentum into the series against Tampa Bay and do some damage in the division against them in this final head-to-head matchup. And also what the Yankees have on their side is the fact, and you don't like to see this because you never like seeing guys get hurt, but the Rays have also been dealing with a ton of injuries themselves. So do well tonight and then take that momentum into the series against Tampa and turn this thing around. And don't stop there because on Thursday, the Yankees play again. This was supposed to be an off day, but this is the final game against the Mets. This single game makeup to complete the six games against them. It'll happen on Thursday at 4.10 p.m. Eastern with the Mets being the home team. I assume that game will be at Citi Field. And Jay Happ will be on the mound for that one. And then come Friday, the Yankees have a long weekend series with the Baltimore Orioles. Four games in three days because there is another doubleheader in there from one of the rainouts they had weeks ago. And that doubleheader will take place on Friday. The first game will be at 5.05 p.m. Eastern, and then game two will be right after game one. Then on Saturday, the Yankees will play the Orioles again. And by the way, these games are Camden Yards. The Yankees will be on the road. And the Saturday night game will be at 7.35 p.m. Eastern. And on Sunday, to cap off the weekend, next Sunday, the 6th, September 6th, when I'll talk to you next time, the Yankees and Orioles will play the final game of this series in Camden Yards at 1.05 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. So that's what's ahead as far as Yankee games for the next week to come until I talk to you again on September 6th. That's eight games in the next seven days, including the two that happened today. I'll probably be going over them really quick come next Sunday, since again today, I'm recording before the two games happen. But obviously, when you guys are listening to this tonight, the games will have already ended. You'll have known what happened, but right now, I don't know what happens in tonight's games. But again, you guys are in the future, and I envy you for that. But as for now, that is all for episode 61 of Yapping Yankees, guys. We covered an awful lot today. (laughs) One last shout out to Team Left Jab and Grunt Talks MLB. Team Left Jab features Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it. Be sure to check out 
Team Left Jab, guys. And our other shout-out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, be sure to follow the main men behind the website, Darren on Twitter, at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. And also, guys, of course, be sure to follow me on all social media so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me personally, along with the Yankees and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram polls every Saturday. You could find my Facebook fan page and follow me there at Mike Scudero NY. You could follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. And I'd also really appreciate it, guys, if you took the time to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel and also subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify as well. And while you're at it, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you missed. Episodes 34 up to this one, episode 61, are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You know that Yapping Yankees is available on all four of those platforms, so do help spread the word about Yapping Yankees, guys. Once again, thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, September 6th, a brand new month, when I come at you with episode 62 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe out there, and look out for your loved ones. Remember, that's what's most important. And also, let's see if our Yanks do anything before the trade deadline tomorrow, and let's hope that they can continue to turn things around and build on yesterday's victory throughout the next week until I talk to you next Sunday. Have a good one, guys. Take care. (laughs) 